Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to let you know, because of the nature of the conversations we are having, they may contain some adult language. But I, I do hope that seeing it and realizing there is a systematic problem here with how whites treat people different, and whether they be black or Latino or Asian or whatever, whatever color creed you are, it's just, um, it needs to change. And I, I really hope that this opens up a dialogue. I'm Leon Davis, and this is One Good Question. Hi, and welcome to the next episode in this special edition of One Good Question. My guest today is Tanner Smart. This conversation takes a little bit different tone. We actually skewed a little bit more in the arena of politics, but that's also something I wanted to show throughout these conversations is that no two are going to be alike and you should kind of just let them go where they go. As long as you all are both on the same page, trying to have a productive conversation and something to take away at the end. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I know Tanner from working with him in a previous profession. And uh, we both actually share a love for Formula One, even though he roots for the wrong team. Go Mercedes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you all listen to this interview with Tanner Smart on One Good Question. Hey, Tanner, how you doing today? Good, Leon. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Just trying to take it easy, um, you know, uh, getting through these times. Um, it's been a bit since I've talked to you, so um, everything, life treating you well? It's good. It's good. It's awesome. Um, I haven't been a- face-to-face been able to tell you, but congratulations on getting married. That's pretty Thank awesome. you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, all right, man. So, um, get into this. I, You know what's crazy? You living in Iowa, I actually saw the... I saw a video for some weird reason. It popped up on my feed of the Des Moines. They were actually on Merle Hay out there. Yeah. And yep. I was like, Hey, yeah. I know exactly where that is. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. And so, um, yeah, I almost got washed away in a flood. You, do, you don't know that story, but yes, it, it was one of that flood, that bad flood during that opening. I, yep. I, I was there was. and we were out eating, um, dinner when the rain started and then we came back and we couldn't get back to the store because all the roads were flooded <laughs> so that was pretty bad but um yeah so Iowa. yeah yeah so yeah so i saw those i saw the protest out there in merle hay and so i know it, it reached out to where you are also so why do you think that it's taken us having to watch george floyd have his life taken on camera to decide it might be time to reckon with this issue and uh, what steps do you think can realistically create trust between communities of color and the police well, first, thank you for the opportunity to, to talk. I mean, 
like you said, I'm just a white guy out here in Iowa. They've kind of a sheltered life a little bit. I don't mean to, I just kind of do. It's embarrassing what has happened. And it's embarrassing that we had to watch a black man be literally murdered in front of us by a white police officer to actually do something about it. I really do hope that this will be the change. This this will spark change and not just be a flash in the pan and we just go back to our old ways because we can't go back to our old ways. Um, I, I, I just, I think the fact that we actually saw it the entire length of it. I mean, in other cases, we've seen just 10, 15 second videos of it. This was nine minutes. And we saw it all nine minutes of it. And I mean, just the visual of just him laying on the ground, crying for help, saying he can't breathe, crying for his mom, while a white police officer had his hand in his pocket and a knee on him. It just, something is just inherently not right about that and I just I, I really I mean it should the straw that broke the camel's back should have happened it happened a long time ago. And the fact that it's 2020 and it hasn't is I personally think it's a stain on this country that can't be washed away. But I I do hope that seeing it and realizing there is a systematic problem here with how whites treat People different, and whether they be black or Latino or Asian or whatever, whatever color creed you are, it's just um, it needs to change. And I, I really hope that this opens up a dialogue. I know here in Des Moines we have a lot of diversity in our um, in our politicians, and we have a lot of people that are well respected in our community. People come to them already; they're really coming to them now, saying, "Okay, this is." We have got to change. I mean, we have got to, I mean, we should have done this way before now, but we, I mean, what do we got to do? And I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know many African-Americans, but the ones I do, I, I stand with them and I, I let them know that, I mean, I'm here for you. And if, I mean, I'll, be, I'll go out and protest with you. I will, I'll do whatever I can because I have um, a good friend of mine who she is white but um, she adopted a, um, a baby boy, a black baby boy. Um, and it, it hurts bad that seeing him grow up, I mean, I'm, I don't want him to already have a strike against him just because of the color of his skin in the year 2020. I mean, that is an absolute embarrassment. Now, the fact that he is adopted and the fact that he's a white, white mom, I mean, it's just... I, I just don't want to, I, I want to see the world in a better place for him. Yeah. Um. So, you know, what's cool. One thing that you just mentioned that I haven't heard in any of my previous conversations is that you've stretched it out to more than just the relationship white and black. And I do think that does need to be a wider conversation. Um. Right now it's a lot of the focus is because it happens a lot in the black community. It's a lot of, there's a lot of focus on, relation from white and black culture, but there is a larger conversation as far as general race relations, just white culture to others. Agreed. Um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there also. And 
And hopefully through all this, that doesn't get lost because I know the focus is currently black, white culture. But um, if we focus on just fixing one, another one's going to fall through the cracks. And I think it's a good opportunity to just kind of have a good discussion and kind of bring just general, Hey, you want, you want to have a, you want to have an all inclusive America, then, then listen, there's a lot of things about white culture that needs to kind of change in the way they interact with other cultures in this country. Agreed. I'm not trying to compare the two by any means, but I can see comparisons from how, I mean, looking back in the eighties and nineties and how gays were, were treated and they were kind of shunned. And now it's pretty, I don't want to say mainstream, but it's definitely more accepted than it was back then. Yes. But for some reason, we still don't treat blacks and people of other ethnicities with the same respect we do would do whites. And it's just, I mean, I, I would like to see a day where we're all, we all can be considered as equal and not judge solely on how we look. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think one of the things that we like, one of my big things, it's funny. I talk about a lot outside of race conversations though. I think that our leadership in this country is too old. Like that's why, like I was like, I wasn't a huge booty judge fan, but I'm like, he's young. So, you know, I'm on board, (laughs) you know? And it was like, I was, I was like, it wasn't, it was like, I wasn't a fan of any of them really out there that none of them really spoke to me as on the democratic side. And, but I was like, but he's young, you know, and it's all, it's like, I think it's time for this country and for the older people that are in power in these Senate seats and everything, they need to understand that, Hey guys, it's time for you all to kind of let go and let the next generation put the, take care of their future. Right. Cause I mean, when the average age of your senators is over 60, it's like your lifespan, you have about 20 years left. Right. (laughs) And, and you're making decisions for people that have, 40, 50, 60 years left. (laughs) And, and it's like, uh, it's time for people who are in their thirties to their fifties to be making decisions for their future. Uh, And I even, I've even said as much as like Gen X, which is where I come from, should allow millennials should advocate to millennials. Like we should be like, you know what, if you guys have the leadership, come on, go ahead and start forming this country in the way that you will have it that you would like to like to see it when you're an adult, because if a generation doesn't do that, we're going to be stuck in the cycle of by the time these dudes age out, we're going to be those same people. We're going to be like, well, we just got power, <laughs> you know, and it's just going to, you know, it's like, we just got it. We're, we, we just started letting, we just got to the point where we can make decisions for ourselves and we're going to be doing the same thing to the next generation. So um, I think we're, we're just kind of stuck in this weird cycle. And I think term limits, that's, that would definitely help with that. Why would we let somebody be a senator for 20 years? Like, or, or 20, 30, I think some of them have been in there for, there's been people in there for 40, like, really? Like, it's like, if you were, if you've been in the Senate for 40 years, like, like right now, I think if you don't understand, if you don't understand Facebook, if you don't understand Amazon, if you don't understand Google, if you don't understand those three companies, if you don't know how to really use your smartphone and you can't use social media aptly by yourself without handing it to an assistant, you shouldn't be in power because those are the guys that are driving our economy right now. And if you don't understand what they're doing, why are you making decisions on governing them? That Cause that's why they're running amok right now because they don't even understand it. Like it's hilarious to watch uh, Zuckerberg 
uh, go up there and make fools of them. And it's kind of off subject, but it's not because that's part of the issue also, because a lot of those people, like what I say, when you look at those civil rights marches, like, yeah, they'll show a picture of Martin Luther King marching, but they won't show you a picture of the white people on the side yelling and screaming vitriol at them. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like those people are the people that are ruling, are running our country. <laughs> it's like, or, or those were their parents or uh, something along those lines. Like they came from that lineage. And so they're, and although they may have evolved at some level, they grew up in that. So it's hard for them not to think of themselves as a little bit better than others. Mm-hmm. I would say though, that like you've seen so many people and right, very rightfully so upset about what has happened. I would, I would definitely say though, that, okay, you're, you, you have the power to, to do something about this and that is to vote. Now, are you? Are you going to vote? Are you registered to vote? Are you educated enough to vote? Um, which is one of the great things about our country is that you can do that. So take that anger, take that frustration and vote. I mean, don't just, don't, don't protest and be upset, which you rightfully are, and you have a right to do that. But then when it comes time for you to do your civic duty and to vote, don't just stay at home because you're too busy. I mean, so for people from my generation, I mean, I'm 37, people from my generation, yeah, they're probably going to go vote. But I'm talking like the 20-year-olds, the 22-year-olds that, I mean, are the technology savvy. They're they're the the future. Um, And they're the ones out there protesting. I mean, a majority of them are, I would say. I don't say all of them, but a majority of them are. You better go out there and if you want change, one way to really affect change is to vote. Being, that being said, though, I mean, I mean, we can go on and on about how the politics in our country is an absolute mess. Yes. Um, that's to, that's to put it mildly, but um, I mean, the Republicans and the Democrats they need to stop giving us old white men to vote for. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't really particularly like either candidate that is probably going to be running for president. Um, yeah, not a fan. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't like I. I really don't like one over the other, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I liked Buttigieg because he was young, but uh, and he was different. America is such a vast and diverse place, and to only have it come down to two old white men running for the most powerful seat in the country seems to be a little, for lack of a better word, um, out of touch with, yeah. um, with the rest of the country. I mean, rest of can, the world, though. But look at the rest of the world. Like, look at the leaders of the rest of the world. Like, they're young. Like. France's yeah. leader is young. Germany's leader is a woman. Canada's yeah. leader is young. I mean, it's yeah, like exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like it's and like I mean, the rest of the world's figured it out. <laughs> and we got we got two guys running that are in their seventies and yeah. really should be sitting on a rocking chair drinking lemonade. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's just kind of like really this is the best we can come up with. But then that leads to other problems. That like it, it takes money to do this, and if somebody could have put that much money behind a young candidate, that's not really maybe as well proven as maybe somebody else's. You, but you're right about term limits, and that needs to go. I mean, put it this way: in Iowa, in my lifetime, we've only had three senators from the state of Iowa. That's it. We have one that's been there since I was since I've been born, and we have another one that just changed a few years ago, and that's that's it. And I just think that's. That's just, no, I mean, you need to have someone in there that's going to 
not they doesn't have their own interests. The need they're not putting the interests of their state at, at first hand. They're putting their their own interests at hand. Yeah, you cannot tell me that you're you're the same politician you were than you were twenty years ago because you're not. Agreed. Agreed. And the problem is that all these guys are very party first, which that is like. That's why I, I am an, I am a registered independent and I will stay that way. I do lean a little liberal currently. And I keep telling people this, like I know a couple of people, black people, not really friends that, that are Trump supporters. And, and the thing is in the one that reason I can't buy into the Republican party is like, they have one congressman, not Senator, not representative is representative. One congressman that is black one. And he's retiring. He's from the state of Texas and he's retiring this year. So how can I take a party seriously about addressing the unique needs of the African-American community when they don't have anybody from the African-American community in their leadership? I understand all the arguments about where people are talking about, hey, the Democratic Party hasn't necessarily lived up to their promises either. Okay, cool. Neither party has really, but hey, at least we have a seat at the table in one party, right? <laughs> you know, it's like the other party, we're not even in the room. <laughs> you know, it's like much less at the table, right? It's like we at least have a seat at the table at the other party. So if they're willing to let us have a seat at the table, we get the right people in there to speak for us, then we eventually will see progress. Like, I think... One of the biggest problems with our country, especially now in the internet age, is that we want everything to happen now. Exactly. And, and we don't understand, like, we don't understand laying groundwork, building infrastructure, so that you can have a something that can sustain itself. Uh, we want everything now, and we want, and it's funny, like, it's, I didn't even connect these till I started this thought here, but recently they've been talking about the for how fragile our supply chain is and the, and the reason our supply chain is so fragile is because it's so efficient the more efficient it is the more fragile it is and so we keep trying to figure out how to make things happen faster and more efficiently but we're not making them to be sustainable it's just interesting to watch that happen over and over and over again and then people are like why hasn't this happened and i'm like hey guys martin luther king died like 52 years ago <laughs> it's like my mom is older than 52. Okay. 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 I was like, I'm not going to put her age out there, but my mom is older. Like she's, my mom was an adult, like was a full grown adult when Martin Luther King died. All right. And so there are people who are alive now that went through that tumultuous period from 63 to 80. Like it was like the seventies were just tumultuous. Right. So if you went through that battle, you're not always going to come out the other end real pliable, right? You're going right. to, you're going to, you're going to come out and you're going to be like, this is how I feel about this. And I'm not moving. And, and that's on both sides. And that's like, a lot of those people are still around. It's not like, we're not going to be post-racial now because those people are still around. They pass it down to their kids. We're three generations tops and being post-racial tops, just because you got to let that get out of people's system. Yeah. It's like, and you're talking about like hundreds of years of, White people oppressing black people, black people not liking the fact that white people were oppressing them, you know, and and, and you and all of each generation that made a little bit of progress, those anxieties from in both races were passed from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. 
And now that we're at a place where the things exist to, and people are open to the conversation, more people are open to the conversation about building equality and systemic things. It's like, Hey, yes, we are making progress. And I was, somebody said like one to a hundred, uh, my friend, Matt was asking, he goes one to a hundred. What do you think? Gar? I go, we're probably about 65. We're over 50%, not quite 75%. Like we're like 65, 65 there. Like if where we are, as far as from being at our worst to being post-racial 65 tops, right? We're not, I, I think we're above 50%, but I don't, I, we're nowhere near 75%, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <I agree>. <laughs> there's work to be done. Um, but but there are things in place to help those things happen. So it's interesting to watch people like, well, that happened so long ago. No, no, that did, that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm 42, I'll be 43 this year. So I died, uh, I was born in 1977. Martin Luther King died less than 10 years from the day I was born. People's historical perspective is very uh, skewed currently, so. But, I mean, with, with kind of what you said about the thinking, the 65 and that, that might be true, but those people are still in power that think that way. Like you said, I mean, there's only one uh, person in the GOP that's African-American. I mean, you know, I can go on about how the politics system is terrible in this country, but only have one person in that party who is anything but white and old. It means it just they're they're not embracing trying to reestablish their own party. They're just content with being who they are. And like I have people that are Republican friends, and because um, I'm an independent as well. And I I mean I'm not one to just start arguing about politics just for the sake of arguing about politics. That doesn't do anybody any favors. But I do have a couple of friends that are educated that are Republican and. We have a civil discussion because we can both be still be friends with someone, even if we disagree with them about politics. And I just I just asked them, it's like, why don't why don't you embrace change? Why don't you you just seem to be stuck in the way of I'm a conservative, I don't want anybody spending money, I want things done this way, and I don't want to change. They don't really have a good answer to that. They just kind of be like, Well, I mean, it's worked for this long, it can just continue to work. There's no need. And I was like, well, you see the ra- the world around you is changing. I mean, you see pretty soon whites aren't going to be the – they're going to be the minority. They're not going to be the majority. They're older, and they, they're just they're just reluctant to change. So hopefully, like you said, the 65 uh, – were there 65%? Yeah. I think you're, you're right about there. Hopefully, with everything that's happened, unfortunately, it's taken the death of a black man to change this, which is embarrassing. But hopefully with now you see – all the protests and all the people in power that are just going to be like, okay, finally enough is enough. I mean, something has got to be done. Maybe it can, I can hope and pray that it can actually inflict some change rather than just be a flash in the pain, which it like, it seems like with everything in this country, it just seems like, okay, we get upset, we get worked up and then something else happens. Yeah. I don't know. A hurricane coming. Yeah. Um. To really, just okay. That's now done. We now want something else. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think before this anything could take COVID nineteen off the front page. And now we have this. <laughs> yeah. It's like you get like the five minute. This is how many people have died. This is how many new cases we have. 
moving on to what's going on now. <laughs> and it's like, and it yeah. used to be our entire news coverage is about COVID-19 for like yeah. the last three months. Yeah. And it's just, and I mean, and now it's, and we're only in June. I can't yeah. imagine, I can't oh, imagine man. what's going to be in like October. Yeah. October, November in the height of election season. It's going to just be like, I'm meditating now trying to get a right edge space for that. <laughs> I, I might I might I might just turn every all my social media off because I'm just not uh, gonna I just man. do not wanna I just don't wanna deal with it. Yeah. It's, it's just gonna be um the, yeah, yeah, election season is going to be insane. Like insane. Insane. I understand why they put him through the impeachment procedures. But it was one of those things where it's like, listen, you notice that he keeps pushing the envelope. Leave him alone until he does something that not even Republicans can say they can't cover him on. And he will eventually do that. Like, I still believe that might happen between now and then. <laughs> There's a very good chance that might happen. As much as he tweets, as much as he runs his mouth. And, yeah. I mean, he's going to, I mean, listen, I, I, I cannot. I know it's very difficult to meet to beat an incumbent. I understand that no matter what party you're in. Um, I know it's extremely difficult. And there's a people, there's people out there that just think he is the greatest friends of the live. And we systematically do not agree on that statement, but yeah, I, I still like... respect it. I still respect their opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think if it, it looks like probably Biden's going to win, uh, get the nomination, which is not ideal, but it's not. He actually clinched yesterday. So yes. Okay, so uh, <laughs> awesome. So we're gonna have two white men battling it out. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he just doesn't say anything astronomically stupid, and let just let Trump self destruct because you know he will because he has the IQ begins with a decimal point. Um, yeah. I can't see Biden not winning. Yeah, it's like but, just, sh- just shut up, Joe. Just shut up. Yeah, just shut up. <laughs> It would do you a lot of favors, and he was going to say that he said this before what happened in Minneapolis, but he said that he would strongly recommend a woman for his vice president. I really think you should really strongly recommend an African-American woman or someone of a minority to be his vice president. I think that will really go a long way of someone in power that is not old, not white, and granted, I, I... I mean, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I think Stacey Abrams would be his best choice. Kamala Harris is too divisive um, because of her, because she was a, she was a prosecutor and her, her, her prosecutorial background does not lend itself to social justice. Yeah. And so she'll have a lot to answer for there. Uh, Stacey Abrams currently is relatively, she is the current star in the, uh, Democratic Party, and she's relative, relatively clean. Like no one's really come up with anything that's that would be alarming about her background. Yeah, I, I like, I really like her. Um, I would also say maybe um, Val Demings from Florida. She okay. used to be the she used to be the Orlando Police Chief. Yeah. Um, I kind of read up on her though, and uh, her time being the Orlando Police Chief. Um, there were a few instances about um, police brutality. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that, but I do like Stacey Abrams quite a bit. And I just think that if, yeah, Joe, old white guy, but you put somebody in there that can relate 
out to people who aren't white, you never know. Yeah. 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 They, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably more out there than what we're talking about, but yes, he definitely someone of color, preferably, and definitely a woman. Like I, I honestly think we're just ready for a woman president. I think, I think a woman president would be good. I was no, I was no fan of Hillary Clinton, but no, I was not a fan of Hillary Clinton either, but I was a fan of a woman being in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. So I, yeah, not, not a fan of Hillary Clinton. I didn't think she was a great person, but also I wasn't a fan of another Clinton being in, um, just because we don't need any more Clintons or Bushes in the, in the white house. We just don't, um, we don't need them. We need Clintons and Bushes as far away from politics as possible because their families have been entrenched. Well, Clinton's family has been entrenched in politics since he was president, and Bush's family has been entrenched in politics since the forties. So, so I mean, like yeah, I will say that I will say I was not a fan of Bush at all um, while he was Bush W. George yeah. W. Bush. Um, but I will say I've grown to respect him a lot more since he's left office. Yeah, um, and then he said some things um, about supporting Biden. I think the thing that I kind of look for in the person the most when I'm voting for them is if, yes, I can listen to them. Yes, I don't have to agree with everything they say, but this, are they genuinely a good person? I, I haven't met many presidential candidates. I actually did meet Andrew Yang. I was very impressed with him, and he seemed like a genuinely good person. I was wrong about Bush when I, I did not think he was a very good person. But since he's left office, I actually, I have my, I was wrong. I'll admit I was wrong about him. I, I believe he is a genuinely good person, and he has the country's interests at heart. So I, I was, I was mistaken about him, but I'm agree with you. I think too many Clintons, there's too many Bushes. I think we need, like you said, new people in there with new ideas, be a better gauge and representation of the country than what it is in there right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. President, um, he lives down here, so we hear about him all the time, and he's definitely one of those guys where you're like, "Wow, he's he's really he's a better person than he was a president." <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, so. he made yes, he made some mistakes. I think we can all figure out which mistakes he made. Yeah, but I think um, he's a better person than he was a president. And you know what? That's actually not all. Not a bad north star to look for you know it's like i'd rather have somebody who's a better person than they are a president um yes when winning is your ultimate goal there's always a loser you can't be a you can't win if there's not a loser and that unfortunately like when you're the president you should want everybody to technically win so you should be looking for ways not for you or your party to be the winner you should be trying to find ways where the country can rise as rises one and not necessarily win but be successful right right um and he's so obsessed with winning and that's i was like listen you can't you can't win unless there's a loser <laughs> and that and and that makes it a zero-sum game which running the country shouldn't be zero sum. <laughs> i mean i love when i love winning too i mean winning is great i am ultra competitive i love to win but i think if i was in a position of that much power I think I would be smart enough to realize that, okay, winning is not the end game here. It's not the goal. The goal is to make sure everyone is safe, which we're not, um, healthy, which we're not, profitable, which we're not, able to sustain ourselves, able to be 
good citizens and you can't tell me that we are that none of that we're doing right now i mean we're just not yeah agreed we're we're not we're not living up to what we can be we're not being the best that we can be and whenever i hear people say all the time that america is the greatest country in the world no we're not we're not even close to the greatest country in the world (laughs) i know we can't think critically about ourselves that's another problem with our country it's like Really? You, you really think so? It's like, have yeah. you been to Finland or Sweden or Norway? <laughs> it's like, I think they're probably one of those countries up in that area. They're probably, that's probably where the best country in the world, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would even argue that, I mean, I, I'd seriously argue that Canada is even better than America right now. And that's coming I mean, from an American. I mean, yeah, I, I really don't like it when people say that America is the greatest country in the world because we're just, we're just flat out not. Yeah, we're too selfish. We're too all about ourselves. We only think of ourselves first, and we also can't seem to get out of our own way. I mean, you can't be the greatest country in the world when disenfranchise soon to be the majority of your population. You can't be the greatest country in the world when you you have so much infighting and you have so many select few people in power that I mean, I mean. You're not helping out the rest of the country. I mean, it's it's an embarrassment that how many people have died because of COVID and it didn't even originate here. No. I mean, how many people, I mean, here in Iowa, I mean, when they shut the schools down, um, the first question that was asked is, well, how are these kids going to get lunch? That's your first question? Is how are the kids going to get lunch? That is not the first question that should be asked. And the fact that it is being asked means that there's a even bigger problem with food security, food insecurity. And the fact that we rely on our schools so much, but we pay them so little. I mean, it's just, I cannot believe in the year 2020 that we had a massive pandemic that people still don't actually agree that actually is really that bad. Yeah, we're still arguing. Um, we're still arguing over how bad it is. We're still, yeah, we're still arguing if it's even really that bad. There are lines of food banks that are running miles long. I cannot fathom that we're that perilously close to losing it all. And I hope this woke people up a little bit. The status quo is not going to be working anymore, but. COVID hasn't changed. We don't have a cure. I mean, yeah, people aren't wearing, you're supposed to be wearing masks. People aren't wearing masks. I mean, nothing has changed with COVID. And we're going to go back to school in the fall. And we don't know if it's going to come back. We still don't have a cure. And all these kids are going to go back to school again. And then guess, well, then what happens? It's going to explode. (laughs) It's going to explode. I mean, I, I just, I mean, my wife works in healthcare. And while she's not on the front lines, she look, looks at what's coming into the hospital and it, she's just like, you're not getting it. People just aren't getting it. They, they think that they can just go on and continue living their lives without any changes happening. And the consequences are going to just yeah. be dire. Yeah. And so that line right there, like people just think they can just go on living their lives, but the consequences are going to be dire. That's, the defining line of both things of both COVID and the racial injustice thing, because all people wanted, and it's the craziest thing. Like I had to walk somebody back from what we were talking about Colin Kaepernick in relation to this. And he's like, all I wanted to do was watch my football game. And he interrupted my football game. And I go, 
time out. And I walked him back from it. He was like, oh yeah, that is kind of selfish. Like, right. Like, and that's really like, for some odd reason, we've been lulled into this sense of complacency where the only thing that we care about is keeping our life com- comfortable. Yeah. Everybody and everything else be damned. Yep. And we have to get out of that. We have to get people out of that. Hey, I just want my life to be go to work, come home, eat dinner, hang out with my family, go to bed. I just want my ro- I just want this. That's what I want. And like, I don't, I don't want to have to acknowledge anything else outside of that bubble. And um, I think, and I've said this in almost every interview, it's like we lack empathy, but we also are extremely self-centered. So, Oh, agreed. Uh, very much so. I mean, yeah. I, I really think people need to get uncomfortable. And you should be uncomfortable watching that video of George Floyd. I mean, yeah. if you're not uncomfortable watching that video, then I, I really question your sense of humanity is what it yeah. is yeah. Really, yeah really if you are a christian loving person and you're supposed to love thy neighbor and love your brothers and sisters then if you don't see a problem with that picture right there i seriously question your empathy towards the human being yeah yeah it's like i think you missed the whole point of the bible if you consider yourself a christian <laughs> and you saw that and you don't feel empathy for that i really think you only think about Ten Commandments, and even then, you won't get out one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't think that I will live to see it. I think we can get there. The younger generation seems to see things differently, and I think they see things differently because of this thing here. Because, yeah. oh yeah, um, I think that has definitely changed their perception. They they understand how information moves. Yeah, they just understand things differently now, and. Mm-hmm. I see more hope in them than a lot of people do. Like people are like, all they do is this, this, and this. It's like, well, you know, when we were kids, they said the same thing about us. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, it's like they grew up with these in our hand, in their hands. Like my generation, we are just on both sides of it. We're young enough to understand the internet, but we're old enough to also understand a card catalog. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and so we're, we're in the middle of it. So we understand kind of, we, we can live in both worlds. Yeah. Whereas this next generation is like, why did you have a card catalog? I, why, why do I need to know how to use a card catalog? I have this. That makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> and we exactly. don't understand that. We're like, rightfully so. It's like, why use the hard way when you have this? <laughs> you know? And, exactly. And, why, why, why would I, why would I actually go to a library? <laughs> yeah. It's like I when any, I can just pull up my phone. Yeah. And get any, any book that has ever been written in the history of the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I have more hope than a lot of people. It's just because I think that we just don't understand the way they see things, but uh-huh. you can already tell that the way they see things, the way they communicate the way, how there's so many 20 year olds that know how to move, move markets and make massive amounts of money. But they're also, they can move markets or move followings. And I think that's the part them understanding how to gain a following and move their following that where I have hope for them. If the right people rise to the top. Right. Agreed. I mean, I think, yeah, like our generation, um, I won't see it for us. Yeah. But like my friend's two year old, um, hopefully for him, um, yeah. hopefully for him, maybe I, I, again, I, I kind of circle back to, gay rights issue i mean when i have an uncle who's gay and 
when I was eight or nine years old, I kind of mean I can put two and two together here. When I saw his his partner, I kind of thought to myself then, it's like, boy, it'd be really nice if they can get married. And my mom, I remember my mom saying that's that's probably not going to happen. Well, it did happen, and it was accepted. That wasn't all that long ago. Yeah. So, hopefully, maybe with something like with like this, I mean, where people can be looked at as equals and respected, and we're not we don't have this white privilege mentality. It kind of seems to kind of linger and fester and just kind of doesn't go away. And um, move past that. Maybe in his generation, we can all uh, be a little more accepting of one another. Yes. Yeah. Maybe my youngest kid, maybe my grandkids. Yeah, definitely. It would be great. We have to make the right move now. Um, One of the things that you'll hear on one of my other podcasts that I'll mention to you is that I think that we as a movement have been bad at building allies And, and not that we don't acquire allies. We just don't know how to build them. Basically, what I mean by that is that people are like, hey, I understand what you're saying. I support you what is my next move? And because it is our reality, we're used to thinking of what the next move should be. And we assume that you should know what the next move is because we understand what the next move is, but it's not your reality. So it's hard for you to be like, oh yeah, the next move is automatically this. And we do a bad job at that part of the messaging. And so it's something that, I've talked about and something that I'm actually kind of trying to organize in my head, um, maybe start a nonprofit or something along those lines. So here's your next step. You understand what we're saying. Here's what we need you to do as an ally for your next step, because what we're doing is taking the rules, taking the rules that apply to our life and we're applying them to your life saying, Hey, why don't you understand this? Cause these are the rules for my life. These are the rules, but these aren't the rule, the rules. These are the rules to our existence, not your existence. And you live in a different set of in existence, so the rules are a little different. So we shouldn't apply them there. We should make it, and this is probably because I come from a training background. We need to make it easy. It's like, here's your training pamphlet, <laughs> you know, and it's like, here's what you need to go do. And, and, and it's like, my friend made a statement where it just clicked. He's, uh, he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, do I need to write a check? Do I need to do this? We're like, what do I need to do? And I was like, Oh yeah, I would never. It would have never occurred to me that you have no clue what you need to do next. <laughs> with me, with me, it's like I mean, again, like I said, I am a white guy in the middle of Iowa, yeah. And I see people marching, I see people demonstrating. That's great. That's great. I will join you a thousand percent. I I am fully behind you. And what? Yeah, exactly. It's like I mean, it's like I yeah. Mean, there's just, you can march, you can protest, you can demonstrate, you can hold signs up. That's all fine, well, and eighty. That's great. You you should be able to do that. And what? Yeah. What am I? What what do I do? I mean, I mean, I'm. I, I don't I don't know what to do. I mean, I I don't know the context. I don't know where to go. I don't know what I should be doing. Because I am just as I am outraged just as much as you are. I just don't know what to do now to make to make this change that is desperately needs to happen happen. So, I mean, I've I've sent emails, I've made phone calls to um, representatives here in Iowa about okay. I mean, 
I mean, even the media. It's like, okay, I support you. I stand with you. I'm, I'm behind you 100%. But now what? What do, you, what, what do you want us to do? Because we can't come protesting every day. Yeah. Sooner or later, then the message is going to get lost. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Other and, people and are going to co-opt it, and it's going to be something different. By and that. now I see, and now I see, I kind of, I hate to say this, but I think the message is already getting lost because now yeah. you see Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he's brought back up the news about silent protesting with the flag. Well, now it's not so much about George Floyd anymore, it's about the flag. And this, not representing uh, or respecting the flag for the military. Okay, you're losing the point of, you're losing the point. You're losing the argument already then. Stay on task, stay on focus. But you need to figure out, okay, what's your next step? And then you need to figure out what's your third step after that. And keep, again, yeah. like building this foundation. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, building building a foundation so we can build the infrastructure so what we build sustains itself. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know that's going to happen. I, I really hope it does because this this cannot continue. But um, with like everything in America, it seems to be. Can you remember what we were talking about in October? Because I can't. I mean, what was the main main big thing we were talking about in October? Uh, yeah, no. And October <laughs> wasn't even a year ago. No, <laughs> and I cannot remember what we what the big hot topic was in October. Yeah, I, I, I barely remembered. I barely remember the impeachment stuff going on in January. Yeah, I remember the so, build up to the impeachment, but yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And then wow. COVID came, and that's all you could think about for two months, two three months. And now George Floyd, and what happened? The civil unrest in all the cities across the country and in, in the world. Well, then what? July Fourth is coming. Gonna be hot outside. We got a er, I got a hurricane coming. Yeah, it's already hot here. Um, we're we're in the high nineties already. <laughs> so, um, I mean, this can't go away. But at the same token, it's like it. I already kind of see it starting to, yeah, lose its steam a little bit. Yeah, and so that's like, and I keep thinking like, where's my place in this? Where's my place in this? Because I I think about this a little bit differently. And it's one reason I'm like, first of all. The conversations like nobody's really like people are saying we should have conversations but like how many conversations are there out there that people can go and listen to having like we're not showing conversations with real people like they're always having conversations with people who live like celebrities and politicians and it's like those people don't those aren't real people those aren't real people no. <laughs> it's like it's like why are we it's talking like, to them? <laughs> politicians and celebrities they have the money and they can say and they can do whatever they want they can throw money into uh, whatever but yeah. it's those people that get the money that Thank you for it, but the, what are you gonna do with it? I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. but I see I see Michael Jordan yesterday mm-hmm. saying he's gonna donate hundred million dollars over the next ten years. For what? What are you gonna do with it? No. It's great that you're donating it. It's awesome, but shouldn't you have been doing it before now? Yeah, well, here's the thing about like and I agree there, and like it's it's once you get that high in the bubble, people have, there's so many other factors that people get worried about. And not, not that they shouldn't, because they should, but you can't expect them to get involved. Like, like I don't expect anybody who high net, any high net inter- individual to step out. And, like, would I, would I hope they would? Yes. But I don't expect them to, because at that point, like you don't become a high net individual, high net worth individual thinking about other people. You just don't. <laughs> it's like so and so the reality the reality of it is that a high net worth individual probably isn't thinking about everybody else and they're going to do whatever they can to protect their high net worth because they went through a lot of work to get there yeah so i don't expect them to what i hope they would yes if they don't i'm not surprised if they do more power to you now with jordan 
here's where I know this is different, a little bit different. Jordan came out. Like, Jordan has never said anything about any social issue ever. Like, I have Michael Jordan posters up in my garage right now. <laughs> you know, like, I've, I've, I've been a Michael Jordan fan since I was he was probably his rookie year. My dad from Chicago. So I remember having to sit down and watch bulls games at that point. And he's never, ever really said more than a couple words about anything, anything. And the fact that he came out, put a full statement out and, and, and he's willing to put money behind something like, like that's, that's a unique move for Jordan. So it's like, Hey, yes, he needs to have a goal for that. And that needs to be, directing to the right places and it needs to make sure that the most we get the most out of what he donates um but kudos to him i'm glad that something moved him off his couch <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's like i'm not going to criticize him too much because something moved him off his couch like all right cool i mean i don't expect you to ever move i don't ever expect these guys to move i'm not criticizing anybody i'm just I'm yeah. just really questioning um it's more it's more the ending there it's like hey thank you for donating but now what I mean, yeah. what's it going towards? Is it going towards? I, I just don't want it to be a waste. Yeah, I don't when you have that much money, waste. you have so much insulation from anything happening on the ground. Even if you are a black person, like yes, he's a black person, but he's also highly recognizable. So, like, chances of the cop actually, he's super insulated, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and like, and um, even if you're not so highly recognizable, if you have a run-in with a cop. You let that run in, run in play out, but you understand that I have enough money that my lawyer is going to have me out before I they get me to the station, and he's going to ring their ass when I when, when you know. And so, so you're not worried about those things. And like even like I, I have to acknowledge, I tell people all the time, and this is when we have mostly when I have the white privilege conversation with people. I was like, listen, I as a black person who has grown up in the suburbs and had access to the education I've had access to and live the way I live and live the way I, I have lived and I currently live. I have a level of privilege. There's a, there's a level of privilege amongst black people, but among people in general that I have. And it's like, I could easily just turn this off and keep, keep my life going. Like, easily. Easily. Now, am I more likely to have an issue with the police officer? Yes. I've only had one negative run-in with the cop. Most of the time, I don't. Because, you know, inside my bubble, they don't really mess with me. Right? <laughs> and so, um, but that doesn't mean I can't be empathetic. Just because I can, I mean... I have a sense of humanity. I understand what's going on there. So why would I not be empathetic? Listen, so I'm not saying that your white privilege is a bad thing because I have privilege and I have to acknowledge that. So. Then you're right. You're right. I think everyone has a level of privilege, but I yeah. think it's the fact that, okay, what does it take for you to step out of that privilege that you have and realize that this is not right? And how upset are you? Do you have to be? What has to happen for you to say, okay, enough is enough? Does it take literally watching a man be murdered on film? Literally, does that take you to do to do something to say something? I don't know. Could have swore seeing little kids be murdered in a school was going to change the gun debate. It didn't. No. I was. I. I could have swore that seeing a guy use a Holly, uh, Las Vegas casino hotel room as a lookout to shoot people in a concert. I thought that was going to be enough to change the gun to make it wasn't. So while I'm hopeful, not really optimistic yeah. that anything's going to change. Hopeful, but not optimistic. I like that. I, like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I really hope something changes changes from this because I know America and I know what we're like and I know that we're upset for what one week, two weeks, a month. Then something else happens and we and we just oh look, let's take a, a kid with a toy. Yeah. Oh, a new toy. Oh, five minutes. Oh, I want to play with a box. Squirrel. A squirrel. <laughs> What's it's like? It's like my dog. It's just like one day he plays with his ball as a toy. Next day he's like, I want nothing to do with the dog, ball. I want to play with the bus. Then maybe five minutes later he's like, Ooh, car ride. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Definitely, man. Well, um, I want to thank you. That was a good conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, man. I wish you all the best, sir. And uh, we will definitely talk later. All right. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lee, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The only way we are going to move forward is to continue having conversations like these. So please meaningfully engage with someone with no intent other than to increase your understanding. With that thought in mind, I thought it was time that I heard from you, the listeners. There is now a one good question hotline. Sometimes I will be asking for your views on something specific. At other times, I may just want to hear from you. You can leave a message anytime for any reason, and it just might end up on the show. Like this message from Matt Hongoltz Hetling, who was one of my first guests. Hey, this goes out to our questioner in chief, Leon, from Matt Hongoltz Hetling. Uh, just wanted to say I'm optimistic about this moment, uh, not because George Floyd's murder is unique, but because it channeled the energy of decades of work by activists concerned about police brutality and its disproportionate effects on people of color. Uh, that energy and hard work isn't going away, and now millions of people will look more favorably on steps toward reform. Uh, but we also have to remember the forces of oppression aren't going to sleep either. So every move in the right direction will face resistance. So reforms won't be big enough or sweeping enough, but we're gaining some important ground here. At this time, video evidence helped identify the police as the perpetrators of violence. But next time... Righteous activists can't allow themselves to be painted as the violent ones. And so I urge everyone who cares about these issues to keep marching with peace, strength, and solidarity.
Uh, that's uh, all I got. Those are my thoughts. I hope you are staying safe and well, Leon, and uh, looking forward to seeing your uh, podcast continue to grow. Bye-bye. Thanks, Matt, for taking time out of your day to send me that message. You can reach the hotline at 929-4-OGQ-POD. That's 929-464-7763. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and please make sure you check out the rest of the series. This has been One Good Question. Once again, I'm your host, Leon Davis. Theme music by DJ Seth Lowry. Other music courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen. To catch up with us on social, check the show notes.